G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we'd like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby, an update on the political agenda facing us for the coming week. Wendy Francis joining us today. She's National Director of Politics at the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy, special welcome back to 2020. Thank you so much for having me, Neil. I really appreciate it. And boy, there's a lot going on politically at the moment. So, yeah, thank you. We'll try and touch on as much as we can. You're in Darwin today, meeting with the Mm -hmm. Northern Territory Australian of the Year, Leanne Little, this afternoon, and Luke Gosling, the Federal MP, tomorrow, uh, concerning bridging the gap in Indigenous health in remote towns. Give us some insights into the sorts of things you're aiming for with your visit to the Northern Territory. Yeah, so over over many years, we've seen a lot of political, um, I guess, posturing, but also political uh, responses to the bridging the gap for Indigenous people in our nation. And what uh, from research that I've done, and I, you know, I have family in Darwin, so I'm up here uh, regularly. Um, and and what I've realised, and I think um, needs to be sort of well known, is that there is a huge gap, particularly in uh, health services in towns of similar populations. So let me just um, put that in um, an explanation for you. So, for instance, a place like Longreach, which would have the same population as a place like Manangrida in the Northern Territory, a place like Longreach has has a hospital, it's got an 18-bed hospital. Um, They have a population of about 3,000, same as Manangrida. They have a target, they have all these uh, resources a place like Manangrida has no hospital and they are like 600 kilometres to the nearest hospital. Uh, this, this is not just an isolated case. This is uh, repeated right across our nation. Uh, we have hospitals in non-Indigenous towns of very small populations, but in Indigenous towns, we have very few places that have hospitals. And where they do, Neil, um, so a place like Dumaji has a hospital, but the water quality is so low that they actually can't use some of the resources. So, for instance, there is a lot of uh, kidney disease in amongst our Indigenous people. And so in Dumaji Hospital, they put in six dialysis beds. Those beds cannot be used because the water quality is so low. So there is a lot of work to be done in actually bridging the gap because um, these are real situations, these are real uh, Australians who do not have the same um, facilities that a, a, a non-Indigenous town seems to have. And so I'm up here, I guess, just asking the questions, but you're talking to Leanne Little, Northern Territory Australian of the Year. Her sister is one of the um, South Australian senators, Karen Little. So it's a really outstanding Indigenous family in our nation. So I feel quite privileged to have that opportunity to talk to her and also to Luke Gosling tomorrow. But ACL are really wanting to, I guess, present a full picture of what the gap really is. 
Wonderful stuff, Wendy. And when people think of the Australian Christian lobby tackling those ethical, moral issues facing the nation, this is one of the biggest ethical, moral issues uh, that there is to face, and that is uh, bridging the gap. And so uh, no listeners will be thrilled uh, to know that you're there in the mix and putting perspectives forward and asking the right questions. You're asking the right questions on a lot of different levels. You're travelling a lot these days in your role, Wendy Francis. Uh, You've been in Victoria of recent times as well. There's a state election that's Mm. coming up in Victoria on the 26th of November. You've met with the opposition leader, Matthew Guy. I wonder if you can let Mm. us in on, on some of the conversation that you've had. Yeah, I particularly wanted to meet with Mr Guy because on the back of the um, Andrew Thorburn issue that he was he had to resign uh, like 30, 30 hours after he got the job, he resigned and that was because he had to choose between his role as chair of City on the Hill Church or um, the Essendon role. And, and so I think this shocked everybody in our nation, every fair-minded Australian, that's for sure. But following on from that, the Premier, Daniel Andrews, came out publicly and actually slammed Andrew Thorburn. He slammed his views as bigotry and hatred. And the views that we're talking about include um, having a view on life as, as, as far as and the unborn are concerned and also a view on sexuality. And so this was really shocking um, for, yeah, I, I was certainly all Christians, but I think the majority of Australians were actually taken back by this. So I wanted to hear from Matthew Guy as the opposition leader coming into an election what his opinion was. And we were pleased with his response on this particular issue. He was very clear that um, demonising people who wanted to uh, have a different idea of sexuality or, or their pro-life views was actually um, ridiculous. He called it ridiculous. He also said it was offensive and very concerning. And he made it very clear that people of faith will absolutely have stronger rights um, under his government. So we, we were really pleased with his response, but it has been quite a shocking sort of event and certainly highlighted the need for religious discrimination bill, which is a federal issue that we are still pursuing. Wendy, isn't it interesting uh, when you talk about the Liberal opposition in Victoria, oftentimes you come to a position where they're not a whole lot different to the Labor Party under Dan Andrews. Uh, Did you get the impression that there was some way that Matthew Guy wanted to differentiate himself from Daniel Andrews? Yeah, I think many people have been very concerned about this because the Liberal Party in Victoria have been um, so-called progressive and and I hate using these terms but that's you know I think everyone understands what I'm saying but he did make a number of different differentiations which I was really pleased about he certainly came out very strongly um, against injecting rooms the drug injecting rooms because uh, under Daniel Andrews these drug injection injecting rooms are very near schools Um, they are uh, places that uh, people on drugs gather uh, and they are very concerning to many parents in Victoria. So he came out strong against that. Um, he also just, he, he was very clear on parental rights as well because that's another thing that's very concerning to people in Victoria. Parents um, have been demonised even for discussing uh, gender and sexuality with their children if it doesn't uh, go along with the latest trend in what people would think gender and sexuality should be. And certainly Christian parents want to push back on that. And Matthew Guy was very clear that his, under his government, parents would not 
um, be, uh, I guess, policed on what they are discussing with their children. Did he have some perspectives on the sorts of division that can happen when you've got a leadership, particularly like Dan Andrews? Uh, did he have any perspectives on division? He did. He, he was like he was saying that the policies under the Dan Andrews government have brought a very divisive Victoria. So they've put they've pitted people against people. And so um, he believes that under Dan Andrews, Victoria is in a much worse shape than what they inherited. And he wants to bring back um, a unity. He said he wants to bring back a Victoria where parents are free to to speak their mind, where people shouldn't be demonised for their views. He wants to bring back a respectful um, discussion. He said he, he, he doesn't mind people speaking their views, but he wants people to be respectful. And um, we certainly agree with that. And, of course, the election coming up on the 26th of November. Uh, Any perspectives from you, Wendy Francis, on how the election campaigns are going from both sides? Uh, I think the general perception seems to be that Dan Andrews is going to win, even though not everyone thinks he's done a great job. Uh, What are your thoughts on what's coming with the election on the 26th of November? The polls would certainly indicate that Dan Andrews is going to win. Um, uh, but I think, you know, even this latest issue of um, Thorburn, the Andrew Thorburn issue, has, has given people a little bit of a, a shock. So that may change the polls a little. But regardless, I think what the people of Victoria really need to be concerned about is their upper house because there needs to be um, a stopgap measure. There needs to be a, an upper house that can actually check and balance some of the more radical stuff that Daniel Andrews has pushed through in this past um, in this past parliament period. So we, we're really pushing for people to be very careful um, when they vote in the upper house, to vote below the line and to choose very carefully because those preferences sometimes get people elected into that upper house who have agendas very opposite to what Christians would, would want to see there. So upper house is crucial. Um, but at the moment it would look as if Dan Andrews is going to rump it in again. No doubt we'll be talking some more about the Victorian state election with you very soon, Wendy Francis. Let's turn our Mm. attention to another state, South Australia, where there's another push, and uh, listeners will have heard us talking about this now for years, this time on a 15th attempt to decriminalise prostitution in South Australia. What's your perception, Wendy? Yeah, so when I've been with ACL for 12 years now and this has just been one of the things that has just continued on and on. And I've got to really um, congratulate our staff in South Australia, particularly people like Kristen Brolia, who has worked really hard um, highlighting the, the harms uh, that there are, to, particularly to women, in, in a full decriminalisation of prostitution. And so it's that sort of work and from other people as well and other organisations, um, you know, Family Voice, those sort of places, people too, have been working really hard to, to um, I guess, highlight the harms of saying, you know, yeah, no, prostitution is just like any other job. So we've really been pushing uh, the, it's either the Nordic model or the equality model of prostitution law reform. On, obviously, there's no perfect law, um, but this law um, that has been brought up in many countries around around the nation, like around the globe, Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Canada, um, I think Northern Ireland, France, uh, Ireland, even Israel. And there is a bill at the moment um, actually 
um, before the UK Parliament. Um, so this bill uh, has proven to reduce trafficking and does improve um, the conditions for women, including, and probably most importantly, providing exit strategies to help them get out of um, the trade. Because when you decriminalise prostitution and you say this is perfectly fine, just like a normal job in McDonald's, then obviously there's no need to provide an exit strategy for somebody to get out of McDonald's. And so there's no exit strategy provided for women to um, exit the, the prostitution trade. And this is, this is one of the main things that we're really pushing for because uh, no, no parent wants to encourage their child. You, you can't imagine going to a high school um, uh, you know, careers night and having the local brothel there wanting to uh, have people come can't imagine um, a brothel owner sending their teenage daughter up to uh, try the trade. Like, it's just, it's horrendous, the thought of it. And so we are calling on the South Australian government to be the first state. I mean, as you say, 15th attempt, we want them to be the first state uh, to adopt this equality model. And so there is a writing campaign on the ACL website. If you're in South Australia, please go on and have a look at that and support that for us. Wendy, is the Nordic model the same as the equality model or has the equality model just got a fine tune? Is it tweaked for our Australian environments here? Uh, what's the difference between those two? It's very similar. The equality model is based on the Nordic model, but I think in every country there would be um, areas of tweaking and, and you do adopt it to your own country. And I think sometimes when we talk about the Nordic model, people think of it as something that belongs in, in Nordic countries. And so um, in most countries around the world now, they are interchanging those words. But the equality model would be based on the Nordic model, but it would be um, made suitable for our own situation here in Australia. Wendy, a couple of other things to cover before I let you go. You've got a Gospels of John campaign that's underway at the present time and looking to distribute one million Gospels of John nationwide. How's the process going? Yeah, it's so exciting because, you know, if you think, you can just say one million that sort of comes off your tongue. But when you think, you know, of the population of Australia, one million Gospels is really significant in households. And so we've had we've got nine thousand volunteers now with ACL, and they've been around the nation distributing these gospels um, last weekend and also the weekend before. New South Wales, South Australia, in Tassie, in WA, Northern Territory, and Queensland. Victoria is still coming, but we've been holding off because our, our volunteers are so involved in the election. So um, we are already receiving, as you do, Neil. I mean, I just love reading the testimonies of people who are listening to Vision. And so we're also receiving some of those great testimonies as people actually open up this little gospel and read the Word of God. And so um, as we gather together as ACL staff, we're praying that hearts will open to the truth of His Word simply through reading the gospel. Yeah. And speaking of the truth, uh, the truth of it, live meetings with Martin Isles uh, talking about modern-day Babylon. Uh, how are those going, Wendy? So there's two more meetings coming up. So we had Sydney and um, and it was great. I think there was about 2,800 or something like that there gathered and it was brilliant. And then so we've got two more coming up. Canberra's on the 29th of October. That has sold out, but there is a waiting list if people are listening and would like to get on that waiting list. 
Um, but Canberra in the Great Hall in Parliament House, which will be wonderful. And then in Melbourne on the 11th of November. Um, and the tickets are still available for Melbourne. So, yeah, ACL website to book your tickets for that. But it's, uh, there's such an encouragement in meeting with thousands of other Christians um, to hit, just to sit under the under the Word of God. I I personally find it really encouraging. So I do, uh, you know, tell people get there if you possibly can. Well, you can go to the website acl.org.au. That's acl.org.au. If there's available tickets for those Truth of It Live. Gatherings, you should snap those up. ACL.org.au. Wendy Francis is National Director of Politics for the Australian Christian Lobby and, incidentally, also uh, a member of the Vision Board. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for great insights today on 2020. Neil, it's a privilege to always speak with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.